Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. What are we talking about today? Something all of you will love. Characteristics of elite coaching clients. What the heck are we talking about, Julie? Yes, these are our private one-on-one clients where they get a call per week, same time, same place. We drill down, we talk about their goals, what the plan is to get them to the next level, how we can do it in the fastest, most efficient way. And, you know, they do all share a lot of interesting traits. So if you want to just jump right in, we can start talking about that. Of course, that. let's do it. So let me start out by explaining to you guys. We did this a couple of weeks ago, and I was actually surprised and happy that it resonated with so many of you. When we talked about the stages of learning, you sometimes see this, um, you know, called the stages of competence, stages of mastery, all these different things. But there's four stages. And the first stage is called unconscious incompetence. You guys write these down because it's actually very fascinating. Unconscious incompetence. The next stage is conscious uh, incompetence. The next stage after that is conscious competence. And then uh, co- unconscious competence. <laughs> and they do all sound the same. They all you do. put them all in a row. So we'll translate what those mean. All right. So the first one, unconscious incompetence. Julie, can you describe? Now, let's just make this so sure. we can have some fun with it, right? Yeah. So... Do you possess any of these attributes? And if you do, or maybe not an attribute, an attribute would be something you want to have. Am I in one of these stages? Yeah, there you go. So, but as far as this first one goes of Mm -hmm. unconscious incompetence. So how do you know if you're in unconscious incompetence as a real estate professional, Julie Harris? Yes. Okay. So speaking of real estate, you are unconsciously incompetent when you don't know what you don't know. Well, that's a tongue twister because how would you know what you don't know, right? That's the point though. For example, it has not yet dawned upon you that having a pre-listing package would be a great idea and make your life a lot easier. You might not realize that there's such a thing as a formal or formal-ish listing presentation. Maybe you've been just winging it and you've done okay for a while and then all of a sudden, you have something happen, which throws you into the next stage. You think buying leads is the only way to build your business. You think branding and marketing is the only is essentially going to get you into the end zone and help you win the game. You actually think that you can avoid the real work of real estate. You have been led to believe, if you're in the unconscious incompetence uh, stage, essentially, that things are supposed to be easy. It's all about what feels good. And essentially, in order to feel, you know, the types of things that you uh, can might think to yourself if you're an unconscious incompetence is, in essence, the passion, emotional feeling type thoughts. In other words, you are only going to be successful if you have passion for what you're doing, right? Those types of thoughts um, and beliefs are a clear indication of unconscious incompetence because you've not actually stopped, you've not frankly done the work and thought about or had the experience yet to help you to understand what the reality of long-term ever-increasing levels of success actually means. Well, that's right. Until, now it's possible that you can kind of bubble around and do a handful of deals and stay in unconscious incompetence for a while. 
especially if you don't intend on making real estate your actual career. And that that's what happens sometimes with hobbyists. But unconscious incompetence also has – there's other aspects of life with that as well, right? Oh, for sure. And usually you come <laughs> – really, you hit a, kind of a hard emotional wall, hopefully an emotional one, not a real one. And that's where you're shocked into conscious incompetence. So you're going through life not knowing what you don't know, to Julie's earlier point. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize that you don't know until you run into a situation where usually – it results in some form of emotional or, you know, sometimes physical discomfort or pain or financial discomfort or pain. Only then do you realize that you're consciously incompetent. And that's the next a stage of learning. And Julie, what does that mean? Yes, that's when you become aware many times, shockingly, quickly. <laughs> you become aware that uh, of your conscious incompetence. You are conscious of your incompetence. And I'll illustrate a couple of different ways this happens in real estate. One is very clearly on the listing end. Most people, when they take listings, most agents will do okay listing friends and family, you know, their center of influence deals. And usually that's a handful. And that, uh, you know, hopefully they're successful, but they can believe that they've got listings figured out until something happens. And that's exactly the experience that most of you have had for your entire real estate careers. You think you actually are good at going on listing appointments because all the people you go on listing appointments with are friends, family, people you know. Maybe they're one degree away from you, but in essence, you have a personal relationship with them. But here's what you're now discovering. Because the market's changing, because the sellers are becoming more essentially careful who they list with. The market is completely shifted towards agents with skills. So now you roll into a listing appointment with some center of influence past client type mm -hmm. deal, and lo and behold, they don't list with you. That is where you're shocked into conscious incompetence because now you're realizing, I was just riding the wave of the great seller's market, which most of you were. God bless you for having done the right thing at the right time. Sure. But the truth is, is that you don't know what you don't know. And it usually takes some sort of, again, some sort of, um, you know, loss of some variety mm -hmm. for people to be shocked into accepting the fact that, you know what, there's a hell of a lot more in real estate than I thought uh, that I needed to know to be successful. And maybe, maybe, maybe that past seller's market really was covering up for a lot of my, you know, lack of knowledge and skill. Yes. And it usually starts with outrage. Like, how could that have possibly, how could they have listed with so-and-so who I've never even heard of before? Or how did that get away from me? And it can happen on buyer sides too, in different mm -hmm. varieties. I've had some coaching calls about this recently. For example, I'm working with you. We've been friends. Maybe we work out at the gym and I'm going to help you buy a house, right? All right. So I believe that you are my client. And yet tomorrow at the gym, you tell me, Hey, I'm so excited because I'm built, I'm going to build a house. I walked into this new build and it was so beautiful. It smelled great. And now I'm in contract with whatever builder. And what do I say as the agent? How could you? Well, you might think it, right? I, I'm going to, sometimes they actually say it. Yeah. I, I'm a, certainly going to think it. Well, how don't, aren't I your realtor? Right? And so you, now you have that shock that maybe you should have done a buyer presentation. Maybe you should have sat down with your buyer client and explained that if they walk into a for sale by owner, an open house, new construction, or any other listing, that yes, you represent them in that stage as well. But in fact, you're shocked that this can happen. They got away from you. And here's the unfortunate truth. Most of you 
uh, if you're lucky, are in the conscious incompetence phase because that's where you actually become receptive to coaching. But it does not necessarily mean that you're going to uh, take to coaching. That's just the truth. Not all of you will because maybe when you start realizing what you don't know, maybe you start to shut down and think, oh my gosh, there's so much more to being successful mm -hmm. in real estate and a real market. You actually start leaning back into what you were hoping would work in the previous market, and that's where you fail. That's just the unfortunate yeah. truth. Because Julie was giving an example of buyers, right? How many of you guys know about different forms of financing? How many of you know about you know assumable mortgages? How many of you know about um, just all these different intricate, nuanced approaches to a real estate deal? At the end of the day, in a market like what we're going to be in for probably the next five or ten years, the agents that have the skill set that know to get the, how to get the deals done will be the ones that win. The easy frothy deals are out of the market. The easy frothy deals where essentially the velocity of home sales, they were going to sell with or without you guys. You didn't have to price them right, have the right location, have the right condition, and they were still going to sell in the MLS. It just had to be available. Exactly. And I know some of your markets are still like that too. And by the way, Julie and I are 100% confident we're going into what's going to be a very, very aggressive, even more so than in the past, uh, seller's market. And we do believe there's going to be more inventory coming for sale. Listen to the past couple podcasts about that, but get ready for maybe a little bit of a late spring market, but it's definitely coming to a market near you. And we don't believe interest rates are going to increase anymore, but here I'll give you, let me make it a, a practical example. Okay. Sure. So um, we said this yesterday and I got some comments on it. So I'm going to say it again. So you guys, you know, it resonated with you. There is 100% chance that now will be the best time to buy a home or, you know, in the case of your move up sellers, buy their next home, that this is the best time to buy in the next 5, 10, and probably the next 100 years. Now, I want you to think about what I just said. How can you possibly say that? And the answer is very simple. Inflation, right? So the house that they're thinking about buying for $500,000 is going to inflate by at least 6%. Next year, the year after, the year after, the year after. How long does it take for that $500,000 house to become a million-dollar house? How long? And what are people doing? I'm going to wait for interest rates to drop. You know, there was something funny on Instagram. Date the rape, marry the house, right? Yes, that's yeah. right. And that's the thing, how to think about it. But if you don't know how to explain to your uh, potential clients and show them, help them understand. So I, I, I shared with, this, uh, with you guys yesterday. So Julie and I are having this very conversation. And it's a friend of ours that is nervous about buying an expensive house. He's a, you know, he's in his thirties and houses are, you know, expensive and where he wants to purchase. And I asked him, I said, so 12 months from now, when the house you want to buy is now worth at least 6% more, if for no other reason than just straight up inflation, and now you have essentially paid another year's worth of rent, how much loss accumulatively between what you paid in rent and what the inflated amount of that house, adding those two numbers up. Where will you be? Where would you have been if you'd bought, you know, 12 months from now versus if you don't? It's simple math. And do you believe that it's going to be any kind of depreciation uh, of any assets? No. Do you believe there, there's no reason to believe that home values are going to lose? And Julie and I have talked about this endlessly on this podcast. Anybody that's preaching to you or trying to have you believe that there's going to be a loss of actual value does not know the facts. And I, Julie's you know, itching to hit you guys over the head with the, her fact hammer, but hopefully I'll be able to get her to... You yeah, know. And, and we have done entire podcast series about that too. Yeah, but here's the moral of the story. Conscious incompetence comes oftentimes, you go from con unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence when you realize... Uh, when you lose, and when you lose a buyer, when you lose an easy listing, when you lose. However, one of two things happens. 
You either blame the client. Oh, buyers are liars. Or, or the, the market. Or, or the, the other market. agent. You know, and you will declare that in your mind, consciously and subconsciously, a one-off mistake. It's not my fault. And not my fault. The seller went with somebody who overpriced and under-commissioned, and you know, all buyers are liars, and they screwed me over, right? That's totally what okay, they do. That, that's your initial reaction. The only question is, especially from a coaching standpoint, how many times do you have to allow that to happen to yourself before you say, aha, now I'm in conscious incompetence. I know that there is stuff I don't know, and... I'm willing to do something about it. You asked a question. I'm going to answer your question. Most of them will stay in that state their entire careers. True. Most of them will keep, they'll double down on dumb and they'll do it over and over and over and on over the, again. It's not my fault, victim. Well, not only that, they'll, they'll, they'll fall prey to the marketing gimmicks and the shiny objects and the, they'll do the branding and all their other things. And they'll spend money every single month, more and more and more. And every time they're uh, thinking about canceling because they're being practical and they're thinking about, well, should I continue to do this branding marketing exercise and mark, you know, spending money on advertising, even though I'm not getting a result? What what they'll do is they'll rationalize, well, you've already invested $20,000. You might as well invest another 20000 because after all, all the marketing gurus that are, by the way, selling you the same marketing gimmicks, they're all telling me that it's an accumulation effect and over time, eventually it's going to work. Don't believe it. That's right. So- when you have the light bulb go off that, hey, there is a better way, maybe I need to up my skills, you become uh, somebody who is becoming consciously competent. That means that you are working on it. And this is my favorite spot for coaching clients. They have a willingness to take action without having all of the answers. They want to earn while they learn. It's okay to make some mistakes. It's okay to build your skills appointment by appointment. And I love that about the conscious in consciously competent stage. So when I was, uh, when Julie and I, Julie decided to take on a handful of clients and we started talking about like two weeks ago or whatever. And we got inundated with people that are wanting to be privately coached by Julie. And I wanted to, uh, you know, I was filtering most of those uh, inquiries for Julie. And what I was doing, and the reason I was asking you guys to email me first is I was trying to find out what stage of learning you were. And if you are at the unconscious incompetence stage where you would have been putting up a lot of resistance, I did not forward you to Julie. I didn't. There would have been another program that would have been good for you that we offer, but you're not going to be ready for private coaching. It would be a waste of your time and money. And frankly, it wouldn't have been good for you to be in Julie's schedule because it would have driven her crazy. The next phase is the unconscious incompetence stage. So if you're showing, if you're if you're showing that you had some, you know, some failures and some losses and you are willing to learn, well, then I was going to give you a little bit more of an opportunity to uh, be interviewed by Julie to be in her schedule. But if I was sensing that you're going to be resisting, if for no other reason than your ego, then again, I was going to you know, suggest you go a different path other than uh, auditioning yeah. to be in Julie's schedule. But what I was looking for specifically... There's those of you, and if you, there are a lot of you that I spoke to, and if you're wondering, you know, why I referred you to one of our other coaches, is because what I'm specifically looking for is the comp conscious. Those are going from conscious incompetence to conscious competence. In other words, you're tired. Maybe you're really smart, and you only had your ass handed to you once, right? <laughs> you only lost once. You're a quick learner, <laughs> or maybe you don't want to lose at all. I was looking for those people and because those are the best coaching clients because then you're willing to go immediately to conscious competence. There's not a lot of resisting. There's not a lot of, you know, cajoling. There's not a lot of any added work other than this is what you're going to do. This is why you're going to do it as, you know, Julie and you create your plan to move forward with your own personal goals. And when you're at that stage, that's when you can change the world. That's right. So the next thing 
You ready to go here or do you want to? Okay, so you become consciously competent. You're working on your skills. You're going on appointments. You're getting better and better. That's being consciously competent. After you have uh, built those skills and had a lot of success and systematized and your scripts are polished up, you know how to objection handle, you know how to close, you know how to present your pre-listing package, you're doing an actual buyer presentation and you're having success. You're becoming uh, repeat and repetitive fluent, right? You can have a predictable business. Then you go to that fourth stage of being unconsciously competent. This is kind of like autopilot and you do have to be careful. I think a few of my coaching clients are kind of here because they're really good at what they do, but they still want to get to a next level. And some of them, okay, so they've got all of those things. You know, they've got the presentations. They're pretty good with their scripts. They're not afraid to be on the phone. They're not afraid of people. They've worked through a lot of this. But now in that category, what they're seeing is now things are not flowing as easy as they were. And they're recognizing that the fear of missing out of the previous market was floating them up without them knowing. And they're not, they're not like lying to themselves that they were like, they're willing to accept the fact that they were benefiting from the rising tide. That's right. They recognize it. They understand it. And they do not want to wait. They're not practicing the waiting game. Oh, the market's going to turn around any day now. And we're going to have inventory raining down upon us. Well, the inventory is going to come back, but it's going to be slowly. And in the meantime, you guys have deals to do. So people that are there, I would say those top two categories, they're asking things like, okay, so I see that there's pretty much nothing in the MLS. I've got this bunch of, I mean, I've talked to people with 15, 20 really great buyers, some of them with listings, and they just can't find anything in the MLS. So they say, teach me how to find listings. And I'll tell you from my coaching calls last week, at least 50%, because almost every single one of my coaching clients has multiple deals pending right now. And I ask them, where did those come from? How did you create that? At least 50% of them were never in the MLS because we've been learning how to put deals together and not be so dependent. I'm not saying don't search the MLS and set up your drips. Of course you're going to do that. But I ask them to pretend that they got licensed yesterday and I'm their broker, you and I are their brokers, and we say, there are these 12 different ways of finding inventory. The MLS is only one. So you would never depend on just that one thing, would you? You would learn how to put these deals together. The reality of it is, is Zillow and even Realtor.com and truly when they're around, they basically ruined uh, the MLS in a lot of ways. I think that's true. It is true. And that's when all the big brokerages started doing their versions of off markets coming soon and mm -hmm. the rest of it. Yep. And that's uh, that now has become a major source of uh, listing opportunities for people. Big mm -hmm. brokerages now, one of their USPs is the fact that they do offer organized off-market access to uh, fellow ag uh, listing agents' listings in their brokerage. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's people that have done that, um, you know, in, on a small scale as well. And so why is that happening? It's because ultimately listing agents are wanting to protect their work product, which is the damn listing. And mm -hmm. they were tired of these portals, essentially. Now they're doing it less or so because listing agents finally got you know sick, up, sick of it enough. And the MLS has started doing something about it. And this is maybe three, four years ago. But really what happened was listing agents got tired of losing their, what should have been opportunities that come from their listings because the MLS was giving these listings to the portals, the Zillows and whatnot. And then they were essentially marketing buyer's agents that were led, that were trying to, let's just be honest, fool the public into thinking that that, that paid buyer agent, uh, that spot next to the listing address, that was designed to make the consumer think that that was the listing agent. And so what happened was consumers had enough of dodgy experiences 
with uh, contacting those buyer's agents who are, again, trying to fool, that is what it was, the uh, consumers into believing they were listing agents, that it didn't, that the consumers started figuring it out and they stopped even bothering uh, calling and clicking. And that's the reason, again, with uh, with the seller or the listing agents getting sick of it, that's the reason that so many of these big brokerages started doing their own off markets. That is ultimately what has led to where we are today with a lot of the stuff that appears to be, uh, you know, essentially the lack of inventory. Right now, there's what, uh, less than 500,000? 417,000 actives on the market. In all the United States. In the entire country. Right. Now, that doesn't include, guess what? The off markets. That doesn't include the private listings. Some of the new construction isn't in there. Some exactly. Of and some of the, list, the new construction that's being built. So we see what's happened, guys. And if all you're doing, to Julie's point, if all you're doing is going to the MOS, you're never going to see probably what will be by the end of this year, half of the homes that are for sale. And yet, we'll still have at least 4 million closed transactions. So one might ask, how's that? Right? So, And, and again, if you are only using your MLS, your, your belief could easily be that there's nothing happening because there's nothing to sell. And yet, I talk to people every day in my coaching clients and the coaches' clients that are putting deals together. And there are a variety of things. They're what you said. They're in-house listings, essentially, where brokers in a certain office are working together to match buyers and sellers. Teams are doing that as well. Um, one of my clients sold not one, but two for sale by owners, which were good matches for their buyers. A lot of door knocking is actually working, which sounds awfully old school. But remember, we did a podcast series on how to make well, door knocking work. Well, obviously, we talk about all this. Being in proactive our is working. Right. Open houses and all these other types of things, going to other listing agents. We teach you guys all this in the coaching program. But how many of you are stuck back in the unconscious incompetence phase where you're saying, you know what, Julie, I hear what you're saying, but I'm just going to do some more TikToks or I'm going to do some more Instagrams. Mm -hmm. I, I mentioned this yesterday and it resonated with, like, again, I... I don't remember how many people messaged me back. I'll, let me, I'll, I'm going to loop in what I was about to say. Okay. So another thing I look for when you guys are applying to be one of Julie's private clients is I look for whether or not you're actually willing to own your past missteps with regards to some of the shiny object syndrome that everyone suffered from, from the past market. You guys didn't know largely why you were successful in the past market. And so you fell prey to believing that branding and marketing and whatever is where you're supposed to be putting your best efforts in order to generate more transactions. You believe that. And in a lot of ways, that belief was uh, validated. How? I got a message today from someone on Instagram and they want to be a buyer. Okay. I, I talked about this yesterday. I'm going to really grind on this point because it's really important you understand. When you get a lead. From any source, but especially from, you know, one of the, uh, you know, social platforms, let's say, any kind of messaging, you need to ask that person where the original source was, why they had originally reached out to you, because what you'll discover is 99% of the time, they just used the Instagram or the Facebook or the whatever to message you, but they, you are actually a referral from a uh, you know, one of their friends, or maybe you did a transaction, or maybe they saw your sign, but they found you through social. Because they find you through social, you guys have been led to believe that the social was the source of the lead. That is not true. You need to drill down and you'll discover then, and here's the painful part of this, those of you who are in the unconscious or the conscious incompetence phase moving to conscious competence, you will appreciate this because it is cathartic and it'll save you a ton of money. When you're honest with yourself about what your real source of business is, when you start actually asking, you will soon discover you have been wasting, in some cases, tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars possibly per year on stuff that wasn't actually doing anything for your business. It was just doing things for your ego. You thought you had to do those things 
in order to basically be competitive in this market. But then when you look to see where the business came from, virtually none of it came from the gimmicky things. What none of it was generated by those gimmicky things. Here's how I look at it, right? So people used to use a phone book to look up phone numbers, right? <laughs> it used to sit on the kitchen counter and everybody just look up the phone numbers and the, your close friends, you'd have their numbers memorized. It was not a problem. Now we have all these ways of looking people up. We have WhatsApp, we have Messenger, right. we have TikTok, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, you have LinkedIn. That is the new, you know, that's basically how you just look people up. So it would be similar to saying, well, you know, my voicemail sent me that lead or my phone book sent me that lead. No, <laughs> it's just how they found you. That's it. And I would say that one of the things that I'm seeing just to change, uh, you know, one of the points I wrote down from coaching clients is they have been dabbling in social media. Some of them are really good at what they do. They're making good quality videos, especially about their listings, which is great. And we do advocate that. But they've been frustrated that it's not predictable and duplicatable. Of course. And they recognize that. And they say, you know what? I probably need to be a lot more proactive. How can I have something that is X number of contacts will equal X number of appointments, which will cause X number of deals? So They're right looking there. for predictability. So right there. When you're willing, there's another good, by the way, if you guys are interested in being in Julie's schedule, I do, I have caught up on all of you who have um, expressed interest. Um, I'm not sure, like, look, if you're interested, you can text me directly and let's have a conversation. But when you do text me, text me and give me some profile information on yourself. Obviously, your name, how long you've been in real estate and things like that. And then I'll direct you either to uh, speaking directly with Julie. And in that hap if that happens, then she'll be interviewing you and you'll be interviewing her. And also, um, if not, then I'll uh, suggest you to, uh, speak with one of our other coaches. In some cases, the other coaches are actually more of an appropriate fit for you for all kinds of different reasons. So do text me if you're interested in pursuing that, which all of you should be, 512-758-0206. And I have had some of you ask if I will personally take on any clients. The answer is I don't really want to, but I will. So if you're interested in being coached by me, now why don't I want to? Frankly, because it's an extraordinary amount of work. I've done it full time before, and it is something that when you do it at the highest level, like Julie and I, as you guys can imagine, we always do. Like when Julie's coaching days, uh, you know, she only, you know, she doesn't have that many calls, but it's exhausting because you have to be really, really intensely focused for, uh, you know, during the coaching sessions. And if you have three, four, five in a row, well, guess what? That really does require a lot it's of an effort. investment on our end too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, you know, anyway, so if you're interested in either one of us coaching, please do text me directly at 512-758-0206. Neither one of us are looking for, you know, maybe a few clients. And we're looking for specific people. We're looking for people that we want to have in our heads every week. We're looking for people that we want to work with long-term. Um, and we're very, you know, I'm just being honest with you. We're very picky. But if you think you qualify, please do text me directly at 512-758-0206. All right. So, Julie, we wrote down some actual things yes. that you have said you've heard from some of your new clients that I think also will sure. ring, uh, resonate with a lot of these guys. Well, one of those is that they gave coaching a lot of thought and they look at it as investing in themselves versus investing in something speculative. Many of them have said... I looked at, you know, they listened to previous podcasts where we were talking about if something cannot be traced directly to a transaction or multiple transactions, why are you speculating? Well, here's what we've heard a lot too. People have said that they actually learn more from our podcast yes. than they do from their current paid coach. We hear that all the time. If that's true, you don't have a coach. You have a hire a friend is what we call it. 
If you're learning more from our podcast than you're learning from somebody that you're paying to be your quote unquote coach, it's time for you to upgrade. Or even your team leader, your broker, your manager, you know, that all kind of falls into the same category. And we also hear a lot that a lot of people that are joining, especially in your private schedule, have listened to us for a long period of time. A long period of time, which by the way, makes the coaching relationship move faster because we can talk about things like the magic number of listings and spokes in the wheel and all the things that you guys do understand. I loved when they text me initially uh, to speak with us about private coaching. I love the fact that they'll uh, throw around some of our parlance, right? I know. Then we know, you know, we probably are going to resonate. Yeah. Well, it, but here's the other thing is fascinating. I've been getting a lot of people communicating saying they've been listening to us for years and they knew what we were saying was true, but because the market was so buoyant and things were selling so fast that they, uh, I'm summarizing a lot of communications, but they, in essence, knew that they didn't really have to drill down that much. And they didn't really have to do what they didn't want to do when they didn't want to do it at the highest level. Yet. Yet, right? So they knew at some point in the, in the, in the future, and they were hoping it was going to be the distant future, they were going to be, a, they would probably have to you know, really, truly drill down like Julie and I prescribe, but they were able to procrastinate. They were able to let the market, you know, essentially uh, sell houses for them with them, right? You guys get the point. Now all that's changed. And a lot of those people are circling back. Of course, that's what they're doing. Yes. And we welcome you. So here's another thing I wrote down. They are taking action themselves versus waiting for an outside factor to create momentum in their business. They are proactive versus reactive in life as well as in business. It, they they do think they use the saying if it's meant to be it's up to me they're not weird about that I noticed a lot of them have been we mentioned this a second ago but a lot of them have been with previous coaching companies yes. I got a text yesterday from someone in Iowa of all places and he was asking me um, like he was asking about the four filters that you use when hiring a coach right and he was actually mentioning some names of some coaching organizations and I'll tell you guys what those four filters are first one is is when you're choosing you can apply this to every aspect of your life and I strongly encourage you to when anytime you're thinking about hiring a so-called coach or expert run you got to set the bar super high otherwise you're listening you're going to be taking advice from somebody that frankly you shouldn't be because they're not uh, frankly good enough to be coaching you or training you or they're not, you could do better in the marketplace is what I'm saying. And this is true with anything, any aspect of your life. Always look for the best that you can possibly afford. Don't compromise because the cost of the compromise is too great. The first question you should ask when you're thinking about hiring a coach is have you sold real estate before? Have you had a real estate license? Now, you will be shocked how many of our quote unquote competitors, they themselves or the coaches coaching for them have never sold real estate before. I do not know why you would ever hire a coach for anything who has never actually done the work. That makes absolutely no sense to me. And I know every single one of you, it makes no sense to you either. Don't do it. Question two, remember there's four filters. So filter number two. So let's say you do find, you have found somebody that's quote unquote a coach um, and you now want to go on to filter uh, number two. The second level of filtration is, have you sold at least 100 homes in a year? Mr. Perspective Coach, have you sold actually 100 homes in a year? Now, if they have, okay, and you know, you're on to something. Now, let's just definitely think through this. They could have just listed 
a farm field that got subdivided into 100 lots sure. and all those lots got sold to a builder. They could have just listed a building in uh, Miami or a building in Manhattan. You guys get the point? So there are ways they could have sold 100 units in a year, but not actually done it one seller or one buyer at a time. You can do better. And that's the reason I suggest you move on to question number three. Have you sold at least 100 homes per year for five years in a row? Why does that matter? Because now you're dealing with somebody that has been successful long-term and probably a changing market environment, but you're also dealing with somebody who's uh, proven themselves to be able to scale a business predictably, duplicatably to an extent. Now, if you discover that all of their business came from bought buyer sites from Zillow and they're just feeding these buyer leads to a bunch of buyer agents and they were making virtually no money on them, then I definitely wouldn't even pursue that relationship. Yeah, because guess what they're going to try and teach you to do? Same dumb stuff, okay? And that's, again, you got to have to really drill down uh, what I'm a coach, I'm a trainer, I'm a guru. Well, there is no, uh, there's no way to validate that. There's no, you know, degree or there's no certification. There's nothing like that. People call themselves. There was, there was something that happened about 15 years ago where people were given permission to use words that essentially inappropriately. When one of the ones that to this day makes my skin crawl is when someone calls themselves an expert and they've never actually done it or let alone earned the right to call themselves an expert. People have bastardized the language to the extent that it obscures actually what the intent of the word was. And I think coach is one of them. 99% of the people out there that are calling themselves coaches are trainers. And a trainer is somebody who does not know how to coach. They just know how to present content. This podcast, even though you think you're being coached, you are not. This is training. And I know it's good training based on the feedback from all of you, but that's all it is. Coaching is completely different. The fourth filter, and this one is the one that's going to take, frankly, virtually every self-proclaimed coach out of the market when you're actually willing to ask these tough questions. All right, Mr. Coach, you've had a license. Mr. Coach, you've sold houses, 100 houses in one year. All right, Mr. Potential Coach, you've sold at least uh, 100 houses per year for at least five years in a row. The fourth filter, have you performed, have you actually been paid to do over 100,000 private one-on-one -on -one coaching calls? Mr. Coach, you claim that you're a coach. You claim that you're an expert. Have you actually done 100,000 paid one-on-one -on -one coaching calls? And here's what you'll discover. In the marketplace right now, to the best of my knowledge, there's maybe three or four of us that actually meet all those criteria. Now, why would you, why would you suffer accepting coaching from anybody who has not at least hit those three or four, uh, those, you know, I don't even think having a license, that's duh, right? Selling a hundred houses, that should be something all of you should expect from any coach. Otherwise, why are you listening to them? I'm sorry, those of you right now who call yourselves coaches and you don't meet all these uh, criteria. Be honest, you're a trainer. You have to earn the stripes to be a coach. That takes time. It takes doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. Frankly, it's the reason I don't want to ever go back to doing it full time because it is exhausting. It is real work. I'm just being honest with well, you guys. I agree. We limit our schedules on purpose. Yeah, we do. It is, it, you know, when you're in a market like this and everyone's, all your clients are going through different stages of learning and they're learning new skills and they're learning, you know, management of their uh, you know, emotions and management of the emotions of their family and all their clients. There's so much complexity to being successful in a transitioning market that it is really, really exhausting. And it's exhausting for you, but if you're coaching somebody and you truly are coaching them, you have to be operating at such a high level on so many different planes in order to make it so this person's successful. It's more than just generating a damn lead. It's more than how to get your lighting right for your YouTube video. Do you guys understand the difference of what we're talking about? 
And all of you guys are different too. You know, when you switch from one call to the next, you have to be frosty with who you're dealing with and remember That's right. what makes them different in not, you know, you have different personalities, different skill levels, different markets, different price ranges. So yeah, it's pretty intense. And not everyone's on the same path, right? I mean, to your point, when you're coaching somebody, somebody might be really good at one thing and your next coaching call, they're going to be completely different. They're going to be better at other things. Everyone comes to, a uh, when we accept them as clients, just saying it as it is, when we accept them as clients, they're all coming with their own groups, of stre- their own strengths and weaknesses. And every single one of them, they're on similar paths, obviously, but they're not on the same path. And if you don't have the versatility in your coaching skill set to meet them where they're at and take them to where they want to be, help them walk the path to where they want to be, you're not ready to actually call yourself a coach. Well, so you guys all have, you're all unconsciously incompetent about certain things. Some of you have a high level of unconscious competence about certain things. I would say, by and large, most of our listeners, most of our coaching clients are pretty good working with buyers, especially after the previous market beat them to death with multiple offers and you had to grow some skill there. Most of you are not as competent, not even close as competent with regards to listings, right? right? So there are some similarities. Well, but Julie, let's yeah. be, let's just be brutally honest with these guys. Mm-hmm. Working with buyers is not, it's physical labor to your point mm-hmm. and working with sellers is mental labor. Working with buyers is more, it requires maybe 10% of the actual skill uh, as working with a seller. I would agree with that. And uh, for you new agents or you agents with have your egos a little bit out of check, you have never sold a house in your entire careers to a buyer. The house is, was, the buyer was going to buy or they weren't. You are not selling, you are legally technically selling real estate, but the buyer is going to buy the house so they're not going to buy the house. You cannot talk a buyer, nor should you try into buying something that they that's not the best fit for them. You guys get it? In the past market, when people had so much FOMO, fear of missing out, you could have shown them and often did and got them to pay You know something that in this market will be harder to sell, overpriced, condition, location, and then get them and, and for them to be competitive and get the offer accepted, they had to bid over asking price. Days, for the most part, are gone not to return. Now, again, with that said, that we do predict there's going to be a little bubble up that's going to last maybe 90 to 120 days, so get ready. Probably. Yes, that's right. So the job of the coach is to recognize where are you with each of your skills, right? Some of you have absolute uh, unconscious incompetence about things like pre-qualifying. You've never asked a pre-qualifying question because... The, the buyer came to you and said, I found this house. We've got to be the one, you know, and you just believe them. And I don't want to ask the buyer tough questions because they might be insulted, might fire me and go to buy it from somebody else. Right. I just got to go rush and write an offer. I don't, I don't want to ask a seller a bunch of, you know, tough pre-qualifying questions because they might get insulted and they might not just, you know, choose to list the house with me. Some of you don't even know what the motivation of your sellers are or even if they're what they're going to do when the house sells. Oh, even worse, Julie, a lot of them don't know even know how to find out what the motivation of their sellers are yeah, because right. they don't have sellers because they've never had a seller. Well, that's unconscious incompetence. They there don't you go. realize what they don't know. So a good coach is going to zero in on that. I ask a ton of questions, especially for the first several calls to try and vet out, you know, where's your business coming from? What kind of scripts are you using? If they're using scripts, where do they come from? Are they working for you? I mean, there's so many different things that you've got to know about your clients, which again is why we limit our schedule because you can't know everything about everybody out there. Yeah. And guys, this is the realities of this market. This is the realities. What we're sharing with you today and the way we're sharing this with you, we are doing this to with the intent of truly helping you because here's the problem. If you stay in that unconscious incompetence, you know, essentially knowing, uh, knowingly, uh, 
Well, unknow, unconscious know nothing is what we call it in our book, mm-hmm. right? But when you stay in that stage too long, it's going to cost you your entire real estate career. But not yeah. only that, it's going to cost you years and decades of your life. That's the unfortunate truth. And some of you have realized that the hard way, not just in real estate and other aspects of your life as well, right? All of this of what we shared with you in the last you know, 38 minutes translates to all aspects of your life, health, family, spirituality. You guys get it? All of this is relevant. The best place for you to be is in the conscious incompetence phase before you lose. Because losing in this market in most price ranges is a ridiculous, uh, uh, ridiculously high cost. So as our it's first true. broker used to tell us, Rory, you know, when we'd screw something up our first year in the business, he goes, what did that mistake cost you? It was like, before there was coaching, obviously. Right, it was before there was coaching, yeah. He goes, this, literally, when Julie and I got in the business, there was no coaching anyway uh, in real estate. And he would always say, when we screw something up, he'd go, what that mistake cost you? And, and we'd we, tell him, and then he'd say, bet you won't do that again. Click, and then he'd hang up. <laughs> I mean, that is really, and yeah, you're right, Rory, we won't do that again. We have <laughs> learned that that was. <laughs> yeah, but now when you guys make a mistake with the average net commission to you being somewhere between ten and $12,000. How many of those mistakes do you want to suffer through before you have that light bulb go off and say, hmm, maybe I now am in conscious incompetence. There's stuff I don't know. And when I learn it, I'm probably going to move faster in my business. I'm probably going to be able to deal with a lot more variety of transactions, a bigger variety of people, which will allow me to do more deals and up my goals. I can do more things for myself and my family because I'll be able to help more people at a higher level. And it's even worse. How many of them are losing and they don't even realize why they're losing? I think that's very prevalent right yep. now. They, you don't know why that buyer chose not to call you back. You don't know essentially why you're not generating leads from your buyer, listing leads from your buyer leads. You don't know what you're doing wrong. And some of you are just, what Julie said you know, a bit ago, you're blaming the market. You're trying to make it so that somehow you're not responsible for your failure. You're like our nine-year-old. I mean, Zoe's first response anytime <laughs> she does something wrong, not my fault. Was or, me. Yeah. Or here's the other thing she likes to do. Well, you didn't tell me not to. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But I mean, guys, the reality of it is if you want to move forward quickly in this business, if you want to move quickly forward quickly in this uh, life, make sure, you know, and I mean that in a positive way, <laughs> make sure that you are really aligning yourself with people that have been there, done that at the highest level and have the proven ability to show you how to do the same. Just because somebody's a top producing agent, I'll go as far as I'll even take it to the next level. Most top producing agents are the worst coaches and trainers because just because they can do it doesn't mean they know how to show other people how to do it. And Julie and I were the exact same way when we started coaching and training yeah. years ago, decades ago. We were top producing agents, but we did not know how to show other people how to do it. We had to learn on the job. Yes. And I, you reminded me of something that I didn't write down. Several of my new clients stated one that have teams, and most of them are small to medium-sized teams. They needed help being able to coach their team members into higher production. And so that's a whole other can of worms as well. And that is something that we can do. It's not going to be all of your coaching call, but it can be part of your coaching call. We're coaching you how to coach them and to pull out their strengths, recognize their weaknesses, backfill it with skill, you know, and also to recognize, you know, there are some people that are not really going to make it in this market. And there are ways that you can kind of tell if they're uncoachable, they're combative. It's this they one. Don't want to it's work unconscious hard. incompetence. 
Yeah, but they seem to like being there. Yeah, they like being there because they don't. They're not willing to make themselves uncomfortable. They're not willing yeah. to do what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it at the highest level. They're mm-hmm. not willing to actually accept the fact that guess what? You're not as good as you thought you were, and you never will be. And that's a blessing because there's always ways to improve. Well, and that can be very frustrating to, to brokers and uh, people running teams because you know we have this rule that if you feel like you want it so much more than the person that you're trying to coach. And they're just not going to have anything of it. They're not going to be proactive. They're not going to do anything you ask them to do. They just want to do it their way, even though their way isn't necessarily working or working as well as it was when the market was hotter. Then, you know, that person is demonstrating not being coachable. Well, what you're describing is something that Dave Kinnord, the president of VXP Realty, mm-hmm. a good friend of ours, he he told me this and it was I love it, this it's fantastic. I'm reading your mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, the boats, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'll tell you guys, this is something, again, this is a great way of encapsulating today's show. In life in general, again. So you are in a boat, and we can make this uh, the Titanic, and you're you know, in the boat. You've got this – the Titanic went down. It's in the middle of the, you know, the North Sea, and it's cold, and there's, all you see are the stars, the cold water. You know there's sharks in the water. The water's no place you want to be, right? There's little chunks of ice everywhere. But you happen to have the only lifeboat, and this lifeboat is huge. And inside this lifeboat, there's warm towels or Warren Blankets, rather, this is the place you want to be. You sure as hell don't want to be in the water, right? You're no, this is not a Leonardo DiCaprio scenario where only <laughs> one person's going to live. Yeah. So you're in your boat, and you are shouting to everyone, come to me, I'm here, get into the boat, it's safe, it's secure. And there's three groups of people in the water. And this is the, all of you, identify which of these three groups you're in. Because I'm going to be really brutally honest with you about what your inevitable fate's going to be. And... You know, maybe you think that's hubris on my part. It's actually experience on my part. So there's three groups of people. The, the first group of people are the people that are swimming away from you. So you're saying, come into my boat. I can save you. And they're like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I've been in water before. I've been in water before. <laughs> I'm going to find my own boat. I'm going to figure it out myself. I'm going to swim to an island. I'm going to you know, befriend that big-ass shark that is looking at me as a morsel, and I'm going to ride him to the nearest island. Wait, my phone hasn't drowned yet. I'll Google how to get out of here. <laughs> exactly. I'm good. I'm good as they swim away. And, you, and you're like, for the love of God, you are not going to make it. You're swimming to your death. Would you please turn around so we can save you? Would you please listen to my voice? And they're not going to listen. And you're going to shout and you're going to scream and you're going to burn yourself out trying to get the people that are swimming away from you to listen. Stop shouting for them. They're never going to listen. They're just going to keep on swimming. Those aren't the people that want to be saved. It's not you that they're not listening to. It's themselves that they're listening to. You guys get it? It's their egos, basically. Then there's the people that are in between those people. And there's two other groups, right? The ones that are the nearest to you, but they're not close to you, are the ones that are swimming in circles. And they're thinking about following the, the person out to the sea, and they're thinking about, maybe I'll swim to your boat. They're like swimming in circles. I want you to visualize somebody slowly swimming in circles. I'm going to swim towards you. I'm going to swim towards you. Oh, I'm getting your boat. I'm, no, Tim and Julie, I'm coming your way. No, you know what? What should I do? What, what should, should I, I do? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to do some more research. I'm going to study this some more. I'm going to ask for some more opinions. I'm going to survey on Facebook for other people's thoughts. I'm going to interview other swimming in circles people. Exactly. I'm going to go and interview a thousand different people so I can gather opinions. Look, what you're doing is you're just trying to avoid making a decision because you know on the other side of the decision, you're then going to have to basically get to work. And what you're trying to do is procrastinate actually getting to work. Because once you've made a decision to either swim away or swim towards, you're 
essentially now having made the decision. And if you soon discover the swimming away results in your failure, you know you'll have no one else to blame but yourself. So you keep swimming in circles. That's the psychology of the circle swimmer. You guys get it? And so you can see those people and you're shouting for them, swim towards me. I can save you. Swim towards me. And they're swimming in circles. I'm good. I'm good. I'll do it. I'll, I'll get to you. I'll... Now, those people, you put a lot of energy into those people. What they're going to do is they're going to burn you out. So you'll never have the energy to actually help the people that are at the boat swimming towards you. When you're trying to decide who you work with in this market, and frankly, who we work with in this market is coaching clients. We are not looking for the people swimming away. We're not looking for the people that are swimming in circles. We're looking for the people that are swimming towards us because those are the people that want to be saved. Those are the people that want to be in the boat. And the stronger we, uh, the more people we put in the boat, the stronger that we all are as a group to help other people essentially get in the boat as well. The boat is unlimited size. You guys get the point? So in your lives, stop trying to save the people that are swimming away from you. Uh, stop trying to convince a buyer that is not really, you know, doing what the buyer is supposed to do to actually buy a house to be motivated. Exactly. Stop trying to convince somebody to do something that they're not already on the path to do. Because there are so many people out there that want to do, that want to buy a house or want to become coaching clients or want to join EXP Realty. If you know, if you want to join EXP Realty, uh, text me directly at 512-758-0206 or text letters EXP to 47372. One of the greatest business decisions we ever made was aligning with EXP, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. But when you're deciding where to put your best efforts, you need to be focused on the people that are swimming towards you already because there are millions of those people at all times that are looking for a caring, competent, skilled agent. But if all your time is spent trying to get the people that are swimming away and swimming in circles, and here's how you know if, how you're doing it. I'm going to uh, passively lead generate. I'm going to spend money on marketing. I'm going to put them into funnels. I'm going to put them into a CRM. What you're doing is you're ignoring the people that are right in front of you mm -hmm. that you should be pulling into your boat. Does that make sense, Julie? 100% makes sense. Great analogy. You're for, welcome. For real but, estate and for life, for but sure. But giving Dave Kennard credit. Absolutely. And I know he listens to the yeah, podcast, yeah. so thank you, Dave. Mm -hmm. Yes. So now you have some decisions to make. Are you swimming away? Are you swimming in circles? Are you swimming towards the boat? And right. And if you're interested in being personally coached by Julie or, you know, maybe myself, <laughs> uh, text me directly at 512-758-0206. We're only looking for people that are swimming towards us. Yeah. There's not, and, and again, if you're looking, another smart move all of you should be considered doing is definitely joining EXP Royalty. You can go to EXP, uh, I'm sorry, text EXP to 47372. Or again, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. Remember when texting message and dates uh, may apply. Look, this podcast is not our normal fare. This podcast was not, uh, we didn't have any notes. This is just Julie and I talking. This was Julie and I being unfiltered, Julie and I sharing our experiences in the past seven days with all of you, and hoping that it, for at least some of you, the message is resonating because this market can be, should be, and will be one of the greatest opportunities of your lifetimes if you move quickly, if you don't procrastinate, if you're willing to laugh at maybe some of the past missteps you've made Accept the fact that you're uh, you know, consciously incompetent and you want to move quickly to conscious competence. That should be your mission. That should be what really drives you because on the other side of that, especially because this market is going to essentially cause so many people to swim in circles or swim away forever, you are going to have more opportunity because the market will love the fact that you're skills-based, love the fact that you're focused on being of service to other people. The sellers, the buyers will 
that'll totally and completely recognize that because you're resonating at a different frequency using a little woo-woo out there for the mm-hmm. friends of ours in California. That's kind of a joke, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, then everybody else does. You guys get it? How you have the unfair advantage in this marketplace is through your mindset of being of service and your actual skill set. It's different than what it was, but you can adapt and you can flourish. So guys, thank you for keeping this number one list to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. Thank you for liking and subscribing. Thank you for all the great five-star reviews on iTunes. If there's anything we can ever do for you, you can message us directly on uh, Instagram at Tim and Julie Harris, or of course, just text me directly 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.